Welcome to the Woman Up Podcast. Hey guys, so the last episode was recorded about a month ago, but today, just days after the election, it still feels super relevant. So settle in, and I hope you enjoy episode 7 of Woman Up. Hello, and welcome to episode 7 of Woman Up. Today we're going to be talking about bridging communities. A few days ago, I read an article titled, Presidential Debate, How the World's Media Reacted. And just to sum it up for you, it wasn't pretty. But the debate was just one event in a string of many incidents and movements over the past few months that speak to our country's stark division. I was talking with a friend about this, who herself isn't from the U.S., and she told me that despite everything, she still believes in America. And you know what? So do I. Our country still offers the greatest rewards for innovation and hard work, People in the U.S. are confident and creative and kind, and the fact that our country is so painfully and passionately reckoning with our history and our systems reminds us of the grit of the people here and the will to call for justice. But we've got some learning to do. Over the past few years, my own need for learning became particularly evident, myself included. Um, We're not all good at listening to one another. So that means that we're not learning beyond what we see in our own communities. And whether our community is homogenous or diverse, no community is all-encompassing. So we all need to learn to be better listeners and learners. So many of us were inspired by the way Ruth Bader Ginsburg was able to talk to people in a way that invited them to listen and learn. We face a great loss in her death, and our whole country will mourn her. And we need to keep looking to her examples of leadership if we still believe in America and want to unite its many communities. So Emma and Ash Winnie, um, when you guys were still living at home as a kid, um, what did it mean to you to be a member of your community? Were the communities you were a part of generally accepted by those around you? So the main communities that I was a part of were school, obviously, um, going to dance lessons and music lessons, the temple that I would go to, and my family friends. So some of those communities I felt pretty accepted in, so my dance community and my family friends. But with school in particular, I felt accepted, but I also knew that this wasn't the place that I was really going to blossom and really thrive. And there's no shade at all toward my school or my peers, but I just knew that this wasn't going to be my environment. Um, And with Temple, I felt accepted, but it was a certain type of uh, acceptance. Um, It was, I, I agreed for the most part with what it meant to be a good person within my religion, but I also was still trying to figure out my own values and roles that I wanted to live by. So at the time, it wasn't necessarily the place that I needed to feel acceptance from um, because I was still trying to figure out what I wanted in that community that I really felt accepted by. Um, And in general, I feel like acceptance by community requires... First of all, just wanting to be a part of that community. Um, Second, for the community to actually accept you for who you are without you having to change. And then the most important thing is that even if they don't agree with you and like the community is not necessarily built on values, but maybe convenience or proximity, that they still understand you even if they don't agree with you. Yeah, I also, I didn't have as many 
communities, I would say. I think mine was more restricted to pretty much my small town, um, the schools I went to, which were for the most part private schools. We spent a lot of time driving and commuting to schools, which is probably why I didn't have a lot of other communities. Um, But I felt generally accepted. I think Heather and I are from a community that's pretty homogenous, at least on the outside, like exterior wise, looking in, it looks homogenous. And it felt homogenous until I was able to have my own opinions. And I think some of my opinions grew to differ from those around me. Um, But I did feel accepted. I don't know if I would feel accepted now. I've changed so much. Yeah. When I think about being a kid, like, I guess there are different parts of your childhood, right? So as like a child, child, I think about soccer and I think about church and Girl Scouts. Um, My family went to this like tennis club where we would take lessons in the summer and learn to swim. Got a lot of beetles in my swimsuit. It was tragic. And uh, I think about, you know, being a kid at school, um, I think especially in towns when there aren't tons of things, school's like a really big deal. And I felt really accepted in my community. Um, And a lot of people that I knew from various communities, I also knew through other things. So like I would go to school with people who were also in my church and also on my soccer team, for example. Um, And then in middle school, I started going to this private school And I think I kind of pulled away from parts of the community um, and school became an increasingly important part of the community I identified with. And in high school, I identified even further with um, the school that I was going to. But I also think that I started to do things outside of the school that would challenge what I took to be kind of like the status quo. And I started working um at this thing called the Ronald McDonald house which was like a house for people in the hospital um and I was traveling places and I started to realize that oh like there are very established communities that are extremely different from what I know um to what extent did you guys question the views of the communities you were in as a child and um have you ever actually stopped to question those views. Maybe you never questioned them at all. Um, If you did question them, uh, when did that happen for you? Uh, When I was young, I think my parents surrounded us with mostly like-minded people. Some people potentially didn't have the same views as us, but I was too young to really differentiate between people's ideologies or belief systems. And then as I started to grow up I think I became more and more aware of how different we were than the majority of our community. Probably that started in middle school, especially the more engaged I became became in learning about history and humanities. And when I began reading the news, things like that. Um, Yeah. And then when I went to college and especially, I think anytime you leave your community and you spend time in another community, it can teach you more about your community and you start to realize, are there fissures, are there differences between individuals in certain communities and why? So college and living abroad were two things that really changed how I viewed where I was from and how I thought about things. Yeah. So you're kind of like the example that I have of someone who was proactively watching news as a middle schooler or high schooler. Um, For me, I really didn't start questioning much until college. Um, But I do think that like 
when you're so like when you're in a suburb, I feel like it kind of confines you to the people that you live close to and you're kind of surrounded by just those values. And that restricts your thinking unless you are someone who actually is watching the news and is aware of social justice issues. So I didn't really understand or question the diversity of my hometown, which was a lack of diversity um, until I went to college. And I didn't understand the value of diversity until I went to a very diverse school. And now when I visit areas that aren't so diverse, I personally feel kind of uncomfortable. I think twice about how I act. And sometimes I wonder what other people might be thinking of me as someone who is not a person who is white. Um, And it can be an othering experience. It's not a great feeling. Um, But I do agree that when you go into different areas that are outside of your community, you become aware of um, yourself a bit more and what your community is like. Mm, yeah. Um, for a long time, I guess my childhood, I, I had done some traveling, but I didn't really leave my community. Um, and I think as someone who was never extremely interested in like fantasy, like, especially when I think about like Emma and I as kids, she was always really interested in like Harry Potter and like history and things. And I was, not as interested in that so i just kind of took the world for granted and because my community was limited i just figured that that was kind of like everything that existed because it was all that i knew um and the school that we went to in high school in particular had a lot of diverse perspectives there were kids from all over the world and i think our teachers did a really good job challenging us with our beliefs So it wasn't really until high school that I started questioning things. Um, I think in 10th grade in particular, um, I started thinking a lot about things that I believed um, and what was valuable and what maybe I personally didn't want to take from those communities and those belief systems as I grew older. Um, I didn't start reading the news in middle school. I did start reading it towards the end of high school when I had an iPhone because it was easy. Um, And I also remember going on like college visits and realizing that other kids were reading the news in high school. And I was like, oh, like I need to be able to talk about these things too if this is what my peers are doing. Um, And yeah, that was really helpful for me too and challenging my beliefs. Yeah, I definitely think that starting to watch the news or pay attention to what's going on in the world is very helpful, doing that before you go to college, but starting in high school itself. And I mean, obviously history books are very helpful because history preats itself. And um, I think it's always important to know about the past, but I equally agree that the news is very important to learn. And that's something that is not emphasized as much in class. Yeah, I also think it's so important to listen to different types of news sources and sources with different biases, because otherwise you might not be able to identify what the narrative is for a certain, like, you know, periodical X, you might not understand where they're coming from or what their bias is. And so it's always good to have a plurality of voices so that you can weigh how you feel on a certain issue. Yeah, I also think, um, like, my, my, I remember when I was a kid, my parents would, l- like, play the news on TV. Um, we would watch the local news frequently. Um, 
but what you hear on the local news and then what you read on the national news, um, I guess, depending on where you live in our small town, uh, the news channels that we got were like, cat got saved from tree by local firemen. And then, you know, they would gloss over some of the big national things that were going on. But, um, you know, it wasn't until I started reading the news and it's so easy. Like if you're scrolling through Instagram, you can scroll through the news. And even if you're just consuming the headlines and you only read some of the articles that really pique your interest, like that's going to give you such a useful perspective. So since you guys have moved away from home, how are your views different? Are, have they maybe changed or expanded or developed in some other way? And have you ever had to navigate those differences in views when you've returned back to the communities from your childhood? I've definitely, my views have changed a lot. I think the the most tangible way for me anyway that my views have changed or how I approach different views is that initially when I was in high school, maybe a little bit in college, I think I was much more judgmental than I am now. And now I make a concerted effort to really take a step back, listen to someone else's point of view um, and consider like contextualize why they might feel that way, ask them questions and then analyze later instead of making a snap judgment based off of some kind of notion I developed on my own in my limited experience. Um, Yeah. And I think living abroad has been a big game changer in that respect for me. And it's been interesting coming back home and talking with people from my community about experiences I've had and experiences they've had when in my absence. Yeah, I think studying abroad for sure was a big change in perspective because you're not only exposed to people from a different city or country wherever you're living, but by meeting people who also visit that country from other locations, that's also pretty um, broadening experience. Um, I think that since I've moved away from home, I've been exposed to much, much more, a lot more voices, a lot more awareness, um, a lot more initiative on my own self, on on behalf of my own self. I've like done my own research um, to actually understand what's going out there rather than just accepting what someone says at face value because everyone has their own opinions. And that's something that I've learned is that Person A might believe one thing, person B might believe in something else. And rather just rather than just accepting what person A says and then making that your own, it's important to listen to A and B and decide if you want to follow under fall under one of those categories or like forge a path C. It's up to you to kind of create your own belief system. Um, and since returning back home, especially during COVID, I went home for a few months. And I've noticed that my hometown has become a lot more diverse over the years, um, a lot more socially motivated. Um, I think that's probably because there were a lot of people returning from college during COVID. So I felt that the town had a bit more um, of a social justice awareness. Um, But I think it's also the fact that the town has become more diverse. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, one of the things that I think back to um, and I feel bad for all the time, when I came home from my first year of college, I had what I now consider to be like kind of problematic feminist views. 
Um, I, we, we grew up in a town where I think women were respected. Um, like I, I never, I, I felt really empowered as a child and I never felt like women were lesser than men in any way. Um, but there were just like pretty clear gender roles. Um, most of the women that we knew as kids were homemakers and most of the dads were breadwinners. Um, and then the few women that I did know who were working were teachers, um, like in traditionally kind of considered women's work. Um, and then I went to this big city and I saw these really powerful women and I was like, Oh, like this is an option for me. Um, and I also just became aware of like different ways to be successful and careers and stuff. Um, and I came home and I was like angry about all the women being homemakers and like, I think I'm, I've since overcome this angry feminism. I understand that you need to empower all people to do all things and support them in doing that. But um, that was really, really hard for me to learn something new and then to go home and to see um, something that was in conflict with these new ideas that I was excited about. Um, and I didn't navigate it gracefully. So we talked about how important community is in growing up and helping us form our beliefs and kind of how leaving your community might cause you to confront some of those beliefs. Um, Ashwini and Emma, can you tell me about a time when you've been in a community with different views from your own and you felt like you were not able to engage in productive listening and learning? I think there were several times when I was in the Peace Corps that I, I, they had, I think the Peace Corps advised us on several occasions, there are certain topics that you don't want to address in your community because you'll be outnumbered and it probably won't be a productive conversation. Some things are just so culturally important to wherever you are. And so there was one situation <laughs> that um, we were explicitly instructed not to discuss the current, which is like a draft as in the wind. And where I was located, it's believed that it brings sickness and, it, you know, some people think it'll paralyze you, um, which I didn't believe in. But that was just something I wasn't going to address with the community. But there were other things that we had helpful um, conversations about, like a lot of my senior and junior aged high school students hadn't really ever been spoken to about genocide and some of them had heard the term, some of them had heard it and thought it wasn't a real thing. And where I was stationed, there's a history of genocide. And so I felt it was important to at least talk about it historically. Um, and we actually ended up having a really good conversation about people's rights and why it's important to in interact with people that aren't like you. And we talked about why diversity was so is so important um, to understanding how people treat others and why that's important to consider in whatever community you're in. So that was a good example of bridging a gap. And I got some good feedback from them. And I think they got some good feedback from me. So it was a learning experience for everyone involved. 
Yeah, I, I actually can't think of a time where I had a very difficult time having to really listen and learn from someone productively. And it's a challenging conversation. But I definitely have many experiences of where someone has a different perspective. And typically they are like an older relative or family friend or something like that, where I just feel uncomfortable saying what my views are because I just don't want to stir the pot. So I typically just kind of like step back, don't really say anything because I just feel like we're here to enjoy a holiday. So let's just not engage in this productive conversation that's important. Um, we can just enjoy our, our Thanksgiving meal, you know? Um, but I did live in Spain for a bit with the host family and they had questions um, for me about being an Indian American in the country. And I had questions about for them about being Spanish and what that means for them. And it was mostly just talking about cultural values and etiquette and customs, that kind of thing. But the conversation was very respectful and engaging and great. But I think that was because we were, first of all, just respectful to one another in general. And we were interested to learn about what the other person had to say. It wasn't like a judgment sort of conversation that we were having. I think that usually when you get into politics, you get into a bit more of a sticky situation where people are less likely to want to listen and more likely to just argue right back. Um, but I've actually had a few of those conversations with my family, more so because my dad loves to play devil's advocate and kind of boost my argumentative skills, which I'm grateful for because, you know, I feel like I've been able to kind of throw it back now after practicing with him a bit. Um, but I've learned that a lot of it comes down to listening to the other person, what they have to say. Think about what you could say that would be a clear response rather than just yelling at them, which often happens with my dad because it's just easy to yell at a parent. Um, but it's really about having a good response and saying something clearly rather than emotionally. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, yeah. Uh, when I was thinking about this question, um, I think to the, the first year that I was a teacher in Kentucky, I moved to a part of the country that I think often is forgotten by this like dominant American narrative. And um, the values there are different and the reality there is different. Um, and I just, I really didn't do a great job of listening to that enough. Um, and I, I wish that I had like I've, I've been taught to engage in conversation and um, I've always considered like, obviously listening is part of engaging in a conversation. Um, but I think I look back at it and I wish that I hadn't engaged in conversation first, but I had literally just shut my mouth and listened, um, which wasn't something that I was taught to do. Like I was empowered to speak and have opinions and though that's incredibly important when you're trying to listen, it's more important to use your ears, you know? Um, and when you're trying to learn, it's more important to do that than to just give your opinion right away. Um, I know that uh, Emma and Ashwini also mentioned there are times when they felt like they were able to engage in productive listening and learning. Um, so 
a time that I felt like I was able to do that more productively than I was uh, that first year when I moved to a different part of the country. Um, this past summer, I was working at a garden center uh, in Kentucky. It was a fun job, 95 degrees in the sun all day. I got a great farmer's tan, but besides the point, um, one of my close coworkers and I, we had really different opinions on some things. Um, and the first day I like, he really didn't know anything about me other than, you know, I'd been teaching. My name's Heather. I can lift heavy pots of plants. Like that's what he knew about me. Um, and then, you know, he told me a lot of his opinions about things on the first day. And on the second day, he started asking me some of my own opinions. And I realized that if you don't share your opinions until someone asks for them, um, then it means that they genuinely want to know them and that they're ready to listen to them. Um, and sometimes when you share things prematurely or before someone's ready to listen, it's just totally wasted because they didn't want your opinion yet. Um, and I do think there's a fine line between standing up for something, even when your opinion isn't asked for. Obviously, you shouldn't throw that out the window. Um, but, you know, if you're not trying to take a hard stand on something, then maybe wait and uh, let someone ask for your opinion before you share it, which is something that I really didn't learn until the past two years of my life in my mid twenties. <laughs> yeah. I feel like when you have very established values and you feel very confident about them and they're especially newfound, you're very, not you, but like you collective you is like excited to share those values and kind of push people to believe those values in a way. It's a form of validation to make yourself feel like, okay, yes, my values are, are valid. They make sense. Um, but I guess it's also, kind of pushing yourself upon someone else, which um, can be fine in certain situations, obviously when they are ready to listen, like you said, um, because otherwise you're just wasting your breath. But I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And I think um, so much about you can share a viewpoint before someone asks for it in a respectful manner, but it is important to be self-aware and how you formulate something. And you can formulate something in a way that it doesn't change your viewpoint, but it does make the conversation more accessible. It doesn't alienate someone, right? It, it leaves room for discussion instead of if you were to just like Ashwini was saying, like thrust your opinion on someone that may not be, um, that may not foster like constructive conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, so yeah, to Ashwini's point on being really excited about your opinions and having them um, be kind of validated by your arguments. Um, I, I do think it's interesting that we touched on how your opinions change when you go to a new community or when you go off to college and you start reading more and getting more involved in the news and current events. Um, I find that that's kind of like an echo chamber point in life. And then when you leave college, it, I think it's often a struggle for people, especially if you go far away from your college, um, that you have to kind of grapple with the real world again and where people aren't necessarily going to agree with you. Um, and it's important to be willing to listen to those people too. I agree. I think it, 
for call or in college for me, I really grappled with that because that was the first time that people really challenged my viewpoints. I think as someone who read a lot and like had a decent vocabulary in high school, people didn't always challenge what I said and they would just kind of listen to it maybe passively. Um, the college was the first time someone said, really, why? Or, but what if this fact changed? Or, you know, I think this, how would you respond? And that was the first kind of period in my life where I really had to critically think about what I was saying and counter arguments. And it was stressful, but it did help me grow as a person. Yeah. Um, so I think this episode was largely inspired by things that have happened in the past few weeks. Um, and, you know, we are the Woman Up podcast. Gotta love our strong female role models. Um, I've been, especially in the past few years, I remember there was a, a movie that came out about Ruth Bader Ginsburg a few years ago. Um, and watching her life story was amazing for me. Like she was such an incredible woman on every front of her life. I guess she was like a notoriously terrible cook. But other than that, like she was an incredible wife. She was an incredible mother. She was an incredible activist. She was an incredible like judge. She was a fitness phenomenon. Like she lived for so long and she lived life to the fullest. So I'll stop going on about her. But aside from Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, there are lots of other people who are effective in promoting listening and learning between communities with very different views. So can you guys tell us about a person you know who's doing that kind of work, maybe in the world like closer to you um, or in your circles, and what parts of their methods uh, you are trying to embrace yourself? I can talk about a small scale example, but recently in one of my lectures for torts class, there was a student who used a very offensive word. And a lot of people individually, because I'm taking classes via Zoom, a lot of people had reached out electronically and said how uncomfortable they felt. But a lot of those students didn't share their feelings with that person, myself included. And I really admired one student in my class who was also offended and uncomfortable by the term this other student used, reached out to the student and said, you know, a lot of us felt uncomfortable for X, Y, and Z reason. Here are some, you know, think pieces. If you want to talk about it, I'd like to talk about it. We don't want, you know, you to feel unwelcome. We just want to explore, you know, why you use that word and um, maybe other words we could use. And I just, I appreciate the fact that this person was clearly uncomfortable reaching out, but did anyways, because they felt a, the person had a right to know that a lot of people were offended by that use, that term that they used. And maybe the person in whatever context they grew up, it was acceptable. Um, but yeah, I, I guess basically what I'm saying is it, it reminded me of how important it is to, sometimes it's, it is important to listen, but other times it is important to take action and to bridge that gap. And I want to be more like my classmate and actively try to bridge gaps. I think that's a, that's a really important thing to, like you said, not to assume that the person was doing it with ill will, like maybe the person was just making a mistake or they didn't know. Um, and I think, especially when our worlds in our, in our country in particular are feeling increasingly 
divided and it feels so left and so right. Like, you know, people would say, how, how could you not know this? Mm-hmm. But, you know, people on the other side would say the same things about things that you don't know. Right. So right. it is really important to just stop. And before you accuse someone of something, say, let's, let's engage this person in a way where there can be real learning and there can be real dialogue. And yeah, that's good yeah. for your friend. That's a awesome thing. Like you were saying in general, just to have a more cohesive community, it's so important to have conversation and dialogue and the more silence and especially silent judgment we have, the more polarizing things will be. Yeah. I uh, super agree with that. When I was thinking about this, um, There's a woman that I was working with. She's a teacher in Kentucky who's affiliated with the organization I was working with. Um, And this woman is just so graceful in how she offers her opinion to people. And, um, you know, I talked to her about some of the struggles that I was having in my first year. And she she was the person who really pushed me to, like, listen first, Um, which is something that you hear, you know, but she was able to talk to me about it in a way that I like that it resonated with me. Um, and she's the kind of person who offers her opinions really strategically. Um, and it's in looking to people like her that I think even if I want to speak up against something that I disagree with every time I see it, that might actually not be the best way for me to make change. So if I'm going to be more focused on outcome than I am going to be focused on my own pride, it's actually maybe more effective for me to speak up in specific instances where I will actually have a real impact, which was really hard for me um, because obviously I think that the things that I care about are really important and there are certain social justice issues that I think are literally life or death issues. But ultimately, like, especially if it's coming down to saving lives or saving people's humanity, it has to be strategic and it has to be outcomes oriented. I think you're just going to have to make uncomfortable decisions and you just do the best you can. Yeah. So when I was thinking of this question, this person uh, named Kwame Anthony Apia, and he was actually the author of a book that I had in high school called Cosmopolitan Cosmopolitanism, Ethics in a World of Strangers. And it's this amazing book about how we share this world with strangers. And he emphasizes how we need to have mutual understanding to get to know another. We don't need to like what the other person believes in but we need to understand what they believe in. Um, And I just think this book is great overall. It was assigned to us in high school, so it's pretty accessible. Um, Definitely recommend it. And this other example came into my head just a few seconds ago, and it was like um, regarding canvassing for the election. I know a few people are full-time on campaigns working and trying to like talk to people with a different political view and try to get them to understand their own view. Um, But I also know that there are people that are not actively working on campaigns that are just calling um, people using, I think it's like the phone bank. I think that's what it's called where you just pick up the phone and you talk to people that may not be registered to vote or may not be voting for the person that you would like them to vote for. Um, 
as a way just to kind of have a conversation, have them understand what you, your views are and understand their views. So I think all of the people that are doing that are doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, a lot of people out there doing really, really good work. And I encourage you, our listeners, um, to think about people around you. It might, it might be a classmate. It might be a friend. It might be someone older. It, it might even be a kid. In all honesty, I think I actually really do think that like children are really great examples of people who are, you know, willing to listen and learn from one another because generally children haven't gotten so set in their own beliefs yet that they're willing to do that. So look around you and try to identify people who are doing that well and, you know, maybe take some tips from them. Um, Ashwini and Emma, any final thoughts for the episode? So I think that it's important to hear other people out because everyone is a human just like yourself. So if you have opinions, they probably have opinions. If you have values, they probably have values. And just like you're not necessarily willing to budge on your own opinions, values, they might not be either. So rather than just judging someone for what they, what they might believe in and viewing them as misinformed or in unintelligent, maybe you should hear them out. See if there's a way you can work together because there are some people that you're just never going to agree with, but there are other people where it's worth having those conversations, trying to converse with them. So all in all, stay positive, motivated, and be prepared to defend your values because there will be a day when you need to. Yeah, I would say look for commonality and go from there. You're going to find things or you know, ideas that you strongly disagree about, but kind of what you both have just been saying. I don't really have much to add, but just be respectful, listen, and then but don't be afraid to also assert your own opinion. You have agency, use it, just use it wisely and strategically. Yeah. Um, I would say that remember that just simply listening and learning and engaging with someone who thinks differently than you doesn't mean that you're necessarily agreeing with them. It doesn't mean that you respect your own beliefs any less. It just means that you're, you know, committed to creating a community that encompasses a lot of different people, which is ultimately, I hope, what we all want um, for our country and our world. And go out there and talk to people and save our country, guys. Make the world a better place. Well... Thanks for joining us for episode seven of Woman Up. If you are enjoying it, come back next week or next week and a half, whenever we post the next one. Um, Share us with your friends and your family and your dog. Have a good week, guys. Bye.